Hey, Tay listeners, this episode was recorded in September of 2022, which does mean that this episode was recorded before Taylor released Would Have, Could Have, Should Have, which is allegedly about John Mayer, on her album Midnight's. So none of that context was added in here, just so everybody knows. Additionally, it of course means that it came out before Speak Now Taylor's version, so we don't really know at this point in time, as I am recording this, what might come out with that. But it is important context as we jump in, especially with opinions that me personally, Danny, shares that would have, could have, should have did not exist in the world yet when this was recorded and released. Okay, let's do it. Welcome back to Tay Learning. My name is Danny, And I'm Olivia. We are your co-hosts. This week we are covering a topic that Olivia is super bummed about. She's not been looking forward to this one. Like, I'm not bummed to be doing it. I love deep diving this stuff, but I just hate him so much. Who is the him? Who's the him, Olivia? The one, the only, John Mayer. <laughs> it's John fucking Mayer! <laughs> just sucks i hate him okay john mayer is problematic we're gonna go into all of the reasons he's problematic i did want to put in a little warning at the beginning of this episode this episode is going to get sexually explicit it's going to get pretty naughty naughty and that's your warning i know we put an explicit label on our episodes but this one gets pretty misogynistic pretty sexually explicit pretty problematic And we'll give you warnings before we say anything that's too graphic, if you would like to skip forward, but that is your warning. Yeah. And especially like good to know, most of our episodes are labeled explicit because I can't stop saying the word fuck. So (laughs) um, (laughs) this one is actually, (laughs) this one's one's graphic and gross. And because John Mayer is graphic and gross as, (laughs) as I can't remember if it was James or Logan, but one of my friends they're married to each other, so I can't differentiate them. <laughs> said the perfect line about John Mayer last week said, John Mayer is tough because you can't listen too closely to his music or you just hear the misogyny. God. That's true. And it's even worse when it's backed by all of the dumb, stupid shit he has said That's outside real. of the lyrics. Yeah, I know, Danny, you and I have talked about this a little bit off air, but I never really grew up listening to John Mayer. I kind of knew of him, but I didn't put a name to the face until he dated Taylor way back in the day because I was an active Swifty at the time. And while I didn't pay a ton of attention to her personal life, I read the teen magazines and I knew that there were rumors that they were dating, but that's the context I had of John Mayer and the only context I had of John Mayer. And I never really listened to much of his music. I'd probably recognize a song like a well-known song of his if you played it for me but I had no idea it was John Mayer if that makes sense it does and I had kind of an opposite experience I grew up listening to John Mayer a lot his album Continuum which came out in 2006 like that album rocked my world when I was younger Daughters which is one of his earliest songs Father's bigger to your daughter Daughters will love like you do. Daughters did something to me as a child. Like it was very personal. I listened to that song all the time. My parents played it and sang it 
I really liked John Mayer and I was not old enough, obviously, when his first album, full album came out, Room for Squares in 2001, to understand all of the problematic messages of his songs, but it didn't stop me from really enjoying them. So, I mean, all of us, when we were younger, we didn't understand the songs we were listening to. Um, This is a slight tangent, but I was listening to an Ashley Simpson song recently that I would sing the words to proudly when I was like seven. It's literally about having sex everywhere in the house. And my mom, like, just let me. <laughs> what what song was that? La La by Ashley Simpson. You make me wanna lie, lie oh, you make me wanna la la in the kitchen on the floor. I'll be your French maid when I meet you at the door. <laughs> I would sing that, and my family would be around, and they'd be just be like, okay. Uh, that's totally fair. I think the first time my mom called me out on like singing a song that was inappropriate was uh, Paper Planes uh, by MIA. I posted a Facebook photo in 2008 and the caption was I fly like paper, get high like planes because I didn't know what getting high was at the ripe age of 12. Like, no. Yeah, my mom was like, you can't post that. And I was like, that's not what the song means, mom. Yes, it is. That is what the song means. (laughs) But anyway, the point of this (laughs) tangent is when we were younger, we would listen to songs and not think of any meaning behind any of the lyrics. So you're valid (laughs) (laughs) that makes me feel better and especially knowing this context that we are about to lay out uh John Mayer is just stuffed full of problems we'll get into where he's at now I do think that he has improved as a human I would hope that he's improved as a human but that does not stop he's 40 something now like he yeah (laughs) it doesn't (laughs) stop the shitty shit that he did way back when so our story with John Mayer and Taylor Swift Begins in May of 2008, Taylor and John meet at the Met Gala. And in an interview, Taylor says, I was starstruck by the fact that he came up to me and introduced himself. I just respected him so much. I was rattling off quotes that he said in his blog, and he was probably thinking that I'm a stalker. But he was amazing and sweet. I'm such a fan of his writing and everything. So it was really cool to get to meet one of my heroes. Then a little bit later, February 2009, they obviously have, don't have any relationship or friendship at this point, but they are photographed talking to each other backstage at the Grammys. So they're talking at these larger events and I'm sure she's fangirling like crazy and John Mayer's probably predatorily looking at her, whatever. This is me just like putting my imprint of the situation on the situation. So, you know, whatever. In March 2009, which if you were to look up like a history of Taylor Swift and John Mayer, it's very hard to find all of the details. So shout out to Olivia for finding those prior details. I was up until 3.30 a.m. last night. Not for nothing. She was up late. I was not up that late. In March of 2009, John Mayer tweets about wanting to record a song with Taylor. He tweets... Waking up to this song idea that won't leave my head. Three days straight now. That means it's good enough to finish. It's called Half of My Heart, and I want to sing it with Taylor Swift. She would make a killer Stevie Nicks in contrast to my Tom Petty of a song. So that's obviously referencing Stop Dragging My Heart Around. By Stevie Nicks and Tom Petty. Also, that is like such a 
fucking not narcissistic. It's such a fucking um big headed thing to say to compare himself to Tom. <laughs> Slight spoiler alert: she does end up recording that song with him later, and I hate that he got what he wanted. <laughs> you know, of course she wanted to record it with him, but what of course was that. So at the time, Taylor told Elle magazine that she, quote, freaked out when she saw the post, saying, I'm really excited about just the idea that he would even mention me in his Twitter, saying that she was like a she big She also fan. said, he Twittered me. Oh, God, that's Taylor. so cute. It's important to note. <laughs> this like, is 2009. This- MySpace is still around. Like, this is how, like, he MySpaced me is what you would say. So saying he Twittered me. <laughs> back in 2009 yeah. makes it's, sense <laughs> it's also important to note that like john Mayer at this point in time was the king of twitter he would tweet the most insane stuff and he had so many followers like he was the person you wanted to follow because he would say just the most outlandish shit like i think he said once like i did not high five Kristen cavallari with my penis why would you say that but he so he was the one to follow so him posting about her was actually a really big yeah. deal he interviewed on a show called John Mayer on the record with Fuse, and it only aired on the Fuse channel. And the interviewer asked why he chose Taylor to do the song with because she was only 19 years old and he was 32. And he responded saying that it wasn't just about her having diehard fans and wanting to sell more copies. It was about more than that. Feels predatory. I hate him. <laughs> Olivia's bias is going to take shine a drink through. every time Olivia says, "I hate him" in this episode. Oh God, <laughs> you want you do you want people to be absolutely toasted to be shitty shit faced while listening? You know, that's how you have to get through John Mayer's stories. So, <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So in May 2009, John is a special guest on the Fearless tour in LA. They perform a duet of White Horse. Now it's too late for you and your white horse to come around. Followed up by Your Body is a Wonderland. Your body is a wonderland. Your body is a wonderland. More importantly, White Horse was duetted. (laughs) I love Your Body is a Wonderland. We missed your body as a wonderland. Okay, only one song. That's not so bad, right? Who's fucking your body as a wonderland? I just hate John Mayer, okay? I have no nostalgia for him whatsoever. I was really into watching their performance of it together, and I think there's something that's really interesting to note. So the intro to White Horse is Taylor playing acoustic guitar, and John is playing electric and doing his thing. You know how he does. And the beginning, well, it sounds like White Horse because it is White Horse. It sounds eerily similar to the intro to Dear John, which is the song that is known to be about John Mayer that Taylor Swift wrote. And I just love that. <laughs> She's so petty and I love her. Dear John sounds very much like another John Mayer song. We'll get there. We'll get there when we get there. Yes, we will. At the end of summer 2009, Taylor starts dating Taylor Launer. Also, <laughs> 2009, again, a crazy year for Taylor Swift, because as we covered last week with the rise of a snake. Yeah, the VMA Con- incident with Kanye West happened in September, September 2009. Okay, You can see, right. like, all of these things really overlap, and it's really important to understand the Kanye West situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so November 17th, 2009, Battle Studies comes out, which is John Mayer's album, and it features the song Half of My Heart. 
Which we mentioned with Taylor. I think this was before his album came out. He may have been interviewing to promote it. John interviews with Access Hollywood, where he says about Taylor, there's something about Taylor that she would have been a star in any decade. Taylor's like this fresh voice. I don't normally make records to share tracks with people. I've never had someone's name underneath the title of my song, and I couldn't be happier that she's on there. I consider her a friend. I think she's a really remarkable person, and it'll be nice to have her name on the record for the rest of my life. He then adds, Taylor Swift is the last person to know she's Taylor Swift, which I think is totally sweet. It's great to have somebody who's hugely talented and is still able to receive the pleasure in all moments. The dark, twisted irony of all that is that he has the biggest head and he has the biggest ego. So he is acutely aware that he is John fucking Mayer and he's so endeared by her being as humble as she is. And I'm like, boy, yeah. take and a you page know, out of her like, book. Like, and this time in his life too, and he's like getting his quote unquote friendship. First of all, what 32 year old man has any business having a friendship with a 19 year old girl? It should have been a mentorship, if anything. Friendship? Mm. It's giving, okay, John. It's giving finally 29. It's giving <laughs> grooming. Especially <laughs> with him being like, Taylor, you're so great. You're so good at this. You're Taylor Swift. That's grooming 101. <laughs> finally 32. 19 would never cross my mind. Literally, Demi Lovato. I love that song. (laughs) So, the beginning of December 2009, Taylor and John are photographed together at the Vivo launch party back when Vivo was new. And they are seen, quote unquote, chatting it up in a booth. Is that what the kids are calling it these days? (laughs) (laughs) Those days? (laughs) Those days? Oh, God, that was was 13 years ago. This is half half my life ago. There's this event that happens every year in New York City. It's called the Jingle Ball, big music festival thing that happens around the holidays. And Taylor had her own set at the Jingle Ball, but Mm -hmm. she also joined John Mayer during his set to do half of my art because of course she did. And they are flirty, flirty on stage. Oh, yeah. Also, I just have to throw this in here, and I feel like this is the best spot because we're probably not going to talk about half of my heart too much after this. Of course, John Mayer is like, I need Taylor Swift on this, but she doesn't get like a verse or anything. She basically plays backup vocals to his chorus. Like, fuck you, John Mayer. Yeah. Don't say Stevie Nicks to my Tom Petty and then use her as a backup singer. Yeah. I, oh my God, Kate is going to be so mad at me for this. So my sister Kate and I, argued when that song came out my sister Kate was like Taylor shouldn't even be listed as like featured she's just a backup singer and I was I was big Taylor Swift fan at the time yeah um like not even like her music just her as a person at the time and so I was like um but it's Taylor Swift like she should be on it and Kate and I argued I don't even know if Kate remembers this but she's like no she's just a backup singer and now I'm like okay she was just a glorified backup singer she's still Taylor Swift but I see what she was saying because John Mayer yeah. did not use her to the point she Yeah, should. that's like Taylor having Breathe featuring Colby Calais. Where? 
<laughs> bitch where or taylor swift nobody no crime featuring the ham sisters no nobody no crime i ain't up until the day i die where <laughs> the backup singers you can't really like, you hear their voices especially when taylor plays vocals at least you can hear taylor's voice with john mayer but she doesn't get any of her own like chance to breathe so like watching them perform half of my heart is so cringe for me because she's just up there like bopping you know <laughs> bopping and like supporting his lead vocals staring so at him awful that's not a that's not a duet also um off the record <laughs> in case you say you say it again their band is pronounced Heim. <laughs> time <laughs> you know what i'm not like up here on pop culture i know taylor swift and basically taylor swift alone that's fair but i i used to be a heim slut like the wire did something to i me didn't when I was know younger. them until they were featured on nobody no crime yo that's crazy to me yeah listen i have my like head in the ground when it comes to celebrities <laughs> like i follow the same celebrities that I followed when I was 15 years old. Taylor Swift, Jonas Brothers, Miley Cyrus, Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato. That's all. Olivia keeps her youth alive in two ways. Number one, loving the same celebrities now that she did 10 years ago. Number two, the best skincare routine of anyone I know. Oh, thank you. I do try. (laughs) Later in December of 2009, U.S. Weekly announces that Taylor Swift and Taylor Lautner have broken up and it starts the rumor mill working about how Taylor dumped Taylor Lautner for John Mayer. John Mayer's face next to Taylor Swift and Taylor Lautner is on tabloids and the rumor is, did John Mayer break up Taylor Squared? That is the headline of the tabloids. It's a pretty good headline. <laughs> it is. Taylor Squared is like one of my favorite <laughs> celebrity <laughs> nicknames. Like couple names. That's a good couple name. So in January 2010, um, now we're kind of getting to the point of a lot of the, what I'm about to say is almost hearsay. It's like a source stated. Someone cited them. We're not talking about like direct quote interviews or anything. So take this stuff with a grain of salt. It's not necessarily canon. I can't promise that. But rumors are important. In January 2010, Taylor and John are seen with a large group of friends out at dinner together in Nashville. They're seen like chatting it up, not overly flirty or anything. They're in a group of like 15 people. So like they're just out having a good time. But the next day, they're seen getting coffee together in Nashville, just one-on-one. And the day after that, it is rumored that Taylor attends John's taping of a CMT Crossroads special, and she brings her mom with her. Taylor is seen flirting with John backstage, basically acting like a little smitten teenager, like teenage puppy love. And she's dancing enthusiastically to his performance, throwing him hand hearts, you know, doing doing the teenager thing because she's a teenager, you know? Her poor mom, poor Andrea. Speaking of Andrea, her mom, (laughs) apparently... Andrea pulls John aside afterward, threatens him, and is like, you will not get close enough to my daughter to break her heart. You're too old for her. Like, being friends and collaborating is one thing, but, like, stay away from my daughter. Like I said, this is hearsay. Who knows if this actually happened? But, I mean, I somewhat can see it in Taylor's song, Ours. The stakes are high. The 
suspected to be about John Mayer and she talks about how everyone basically told her like oh don't date don't date him don't go for him and dear John she references everyone told me run as fast as you can so I'm sure she got a lot of advice about like you shouldn't be messing with John Mayer like that so I can kind of see it who knows if this is when it happened but according to the rumors Taylor and John were seen making out around Nashville while he was in town for his Crossroads special. And there's even a rumor that they spent the night together in a hotel. <clears throat> Just content warning as we get into some of the stuff that John Mayer has said. I have a lot of interview quotes from him, but these interview quotes are incredibly important for an idea of who John Mayer was and for general context. So here we go. It's January 22nd, 2010, and Rolling Stone releases a wildly controversial interview with John Mayer, and it's long, and I don't need to say all of it. You can Google it if you want to find it. It is out there still somehow. I don't know how yeah. he hasn't like paid Rolling Stone to take this down, but essentially Rolling Stone writes that John Mayer thinks constantly about getting a life partner. He thinks about it endlessly. He wants a girlfriend, a real life partner girlfriend. It's been a long time and it's just not happening. That's what they wrote. Important note here. He's dating Taylor Swift at the time. Yeah. I don't know exactly how public it was at the time, like how public that knowledge was. I don't but think it was public. This is a quote from John Mayer directly. <clears throat> All I want to do now is fuck the girls I've already fucked because I can't fathom explaining myself to somebody who can't believe I'd be interested in them. And they're going, but you're John Mayer. So I'm going backwards to move forward. I'm too freaked out to meet anybody else. Rolling Stone notes that at this point, John Mayer puts his drink down. What do you think? He says, do you think it's going to take meeting someone who I admire more than I admire myself? But isn't it also about a beautiful vagina? Aren't we talking about a matrix of a couple different things here? Like you need to have them be able to go toe to toe with you intellectually, but don't they also have to have a vagina you would pitch a tent on and just camp out on for like a weekend? Doesn't that have to be there too? The Joshua tree of vaginas? I've never heard that quote before. Holy shit. I want to put, I want just like to put some conjecture here. This is after their apparent night in a hotel together where we know she didn't lose her virginity to him because she saves it for our boy Jake later. And I bet you he's sexually frustrated with that. I'll say this every time we talk about Taylor's sex life. I don't love speculating about it because Taylor Swift is a real human being. And mm -hmm. while the odds are statistically low that she'll ever hear this, I want her to take it in jest. I would bet a lot of money that he tried to get her to give it up. Oh, yeah. And she was not ready and said no. And that really pissed him off. Good for her, though. Could you imagine if... <laughs> I bet you like that probably was one of the underlying reasons why he was so interested in her. Like he literally was grooming her, telling her that she's so great. And what, John Mayer's going to marry a 19-year-old? No. Uh -uh. The article continues and Rolling Stone writes, so the search continues. He knows she is out there and he will not stop until he finds her and her <laughs> Joshua tree of vaginas. John Mayer continues with, have you ever been with a girl who made you want to quit the rest of your life? Did you ever say, I want to quit my life and just start fucking snorting you? If you charged me $10,000 to fuck you, I would start selling all my shit just to keep fucking you. That was implied to be about Jessica Simpson, who I know Olivia is going to build on later, but he once called her his own personal sexual napalm. Jessica Simpson did not take well to all of this, just so we're clear. She does not forgive him. They that broke up over it. 
But he also says some racist shit in this article, but he said some racist shit later too. That was the important thing about the about the Rolling Stone article. Stop, it's time to be real. <laughs> time to be real. Time to be real. Gotta keep that in the episode. <laughs> Sorry, hold on. Quick, quick break to be real. I'm putting the anchor ad in here. So the rumors that you will find online about when Taylor and John split is some point in February of 2010, they had a two hour dinner together at Bistro Cabana in Nashville and it fizzled, I guess. They left. I, mean, I have stuff leading up until like June, basically. Oh, so in February 2010, a source reports that, quote, Taylor and John are absolutely more than just friends. They aren't boyfriend and girlfriend or anything like that, but they have taken their friendship to the next level. And then in March 2010, Taylor interviews with Elle magazine and the interviewer asks Taylor to play a game. They say, list three guys that you think are hot. (laughs) And Taylor is like, oh, all embarrassed because it's Taylor Swift and it's 2010. And she goes, uh, Taylor Lautner? (laughs) After they split, okay. And then she lists John Mayer and Carter Jenkins. So on March 12, 2010, which depending on what source you're listening to, Taylor Swift and John Mayer might've still been together. They might've been split. We don't really know. On March 12th, 2010, John Mayer has an interview with Playboy. And I don't know if he just didn't expect all of this to get published or if he was fully okay saying all this with his full ass chest. But there are some lines in this interview that are kind of good for context for who he was as a person at this point in time. And again, content warning for what you're about to hear. Some of this is batshit insane. Yeah. Olivia, did you read through this interview? I read a short synopsis. I did not read verbatim what he said. Okay. So I am going to read some excerpts that I pulled. They aren't necessarily completely in order, but these are mm-hmm. like good for context. Here we go. Let's do it. All right. John Mayer says, I'm no longer playing music so I can walk into a party and talk to chicks because people know who I am now. In fact, now I have a sort of negative connotation with that. It's a headache, you know? Playboy says, meeting girls is a headache? You have to explain that. John says, I hate being the heartbreaker. Hate it. If I date somebody and it doesn't work out, it's another nightmare for me. I don't like the way the odds are stacked. If I date nine more girls before I get married, which I think would be completely appropriate, that would be nine more spats of character assassination. I don't equate sex- If you do mean shit, John. (laughs) Sorry, I had to interrupt. No, you're good. I'm glad you are. Like, this needs broken up. Makes me mad. This is such an insane interview. Like, people, like, your exes are only gonna, like, talk shit about you if you do bad things. Like Taylor Swift once (laughs) said, if boys don't want me to write bad songs about them, then they shouldn't do bad things. (laughs) Literally. Oh, man. Okay, he continues. I don't equate sex with release. I equate it with tension. It's given me a lot of pause. Somewhere in my brain, it has probably really fucked me up. Playboy says, masturbation for you is as good as sex. John says, absolutely. Because during sex, I'm just going to run a film strip. I'm still masturbating. That's what you do when you're 30, 31, 32. This is my problem now. Rather than meet somebody new, I would rather go home and replay the amazing experiences I've already had. Playboy says, 
You'd rather jerk off to an ex-girlfriend than meet someone new? John says, yeah. What, that that's is- what he has to do because he's dating Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh my God, okay. John says, yeah. What that explains is that I'm more comfortable in my imagination than I am in actual human discovery. The best days of my life are when I've dreamed about a sexual encounter with someone I've already been with. When that happens, I cannot lay off myself. So one of my favorite lines in this entire thing is Playboy says, you have a level of self-consciousness that seems like it could be exhausting. And John says, maybe that's the douchebag part of it. Maybe I'm so meta aware that it's off-putting to people, but I'm old enough to know I need to change. I'm getting tired of the illusion of control. I think I've made my best record now at my lowest point of confidence. His lowest point of confidence is most people's highest point of confidence. All right. Attention. (laughs) Oh, for sure. So John Mayer dated Jennifer Aniston for a while. Playboy says, what percentage of the album is about Aniston? John says, I don't want to say. I feel bad because people think heartbreak warfare is about her. I want to go on the record saying it's not. That woman would never use heartbreak warfare. That woman was the most communicative, sweetest, kindest person. When people hear the record, I hope the songs make them think about their lives, not my life. Like when you listen to Coldplay, do you think about Gwyneth Paltrow? I don't write songs in order to stick it to my exes. I don't release underground diss tracks. He's being so mean. At this point, again, they might still be together. So imagine hearing the guy that you're like with yeah. not quite boyfriend, or at least like on about. and off. I picture is during this time, they're a little bit on and off. Yeah. Or like, honestly, it, it almost feels like to me, if I'm being honest, it almost feels like when you have the biggest crush in the world on a guy and yeah. he like, couldn't give less of a fuck about you. That's kind of what it reads yeah. like to me. And I had a kind of similar, not even close to being the same, but when I was 15, I was like having a thing with a 19 year old. So I kind of had that older Mm -hmm. person. It was only a four year difference, but I was 15. That's pretty significant as a teenager. And the entire thing with him was very on and off. It was whenever he wanted it to be on, it was on. When he wanted it to be off, he ended it. But I was right there ready to hop back in every time that he showed any interest in me. And so just having that experience and kind of listening to John Mayer's interviews and knowing how heavily I related to Taylor's music because I felt like we went about love really similarly when we were teenagers. It makes me feel like that was the scenario with John Mayer's. He would end it because he didn't get what he wanted from her, but then he would always come back and try again. He was one of her musical, lyrical heroes, and she admired him for his work and he's a good looking guy and I'm sure when he wants to be charming he can really be charming I'm sure that he is absolutely charming as hell or else why would people like him as much as they do when they meet him when he says all this crazy shit which the crazy shit does continue after he makes the comment about underground diss tracks playboy says you've rarely talked about Aniston and she's rarely talked about you John says (laughs) We just have a regard for each other's feelings that's pretty intense. It's been a deep relationship and it's no longer taking place at all. Have you ever loved somebody, loved her completely, but had to end the relationship for life reasons? Playboy says, you've also been called a man whore. John says, I feel like (laughs) this is fucking insane. You're not ready for this one. 
I feel like women are getting their comeuppance against men now. I hear about man whores more than I hear about whores. When women are whorish, they're owning their sexuality. When men are whorish, they're disgusting beasts. I think they're paying us back for a double standard that's lasted for 100 years. If you're going to be a man whore, you have to not shame women that are whores. And they do shame women that are whores. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem because they're doing the exact same thing, but it's considered a good thing. So why isn't it a good thing when women do it? Honestly, it shouldn't be a good or bad thing. It should just be a thing. Playboy says, what does the word womanizer mean to you? John says, well, wouldn't a womanizer have dated more than two girls in two years? Playboy says, you and Aniston got back together and broke up again in 2009. How many women did you sleep with in the eight months after the breakup? John says, I'm going to say four or five. No more. Playboy says, at this point, what's your ideal relationship? You ready for this one? This is while he and Taylor very possibly are like in this, whatever. I just have to remind the crowd of that before we get into this line. John says, here's what I really want to do at 32. Fuck a girl. And then as she's sleeping in bed, make breakfast for her. So she's like, what? You gave me five vaginal orgasms last night and you're making me a spinach omelet. You are the shit. So she stays. Who the fuck is John Mayer giving five vaginal orgasms to? Somebody is lying to that. (laughs) So she says, I love this guy. I say, I love this girl loving me. And then we have a problem because that entails instant relationship. I'm already playing house. And when I lose interest, she's going to say, Why would you do that if you didn't want to stick with me? (laughs) Instant relationship this feels. I don't know. I don't think he gave Taylor Swift five vaginal orgasms. I'm so sorry if either of my parents are listening. We Um, warned. We did. We warned. Listen at your own discretion, you know? Yeah, because this continues. So Playboy responds, why do you do it? John says, because I want to show her I'm not like every other guy. Because I hate other men. When I'm fucking you, I'm trying to fuck every man who's ever fucked you. But But it's okay for him to masturbate to his exes. (laughs) I got to finish this line for you because this shit's insane. When I'm fucking you, I'm trying to fuck every man who's ever fucked you. But in his ass. So you'll say, no one's ever done that to me in bed. John, what the fuck does that mean? How, How do we give platforms to these awful white men? Because they're good at playing the guitar. (laughs) Not worth it. Playboy says, do you do something different in bed than other guys? John says, it's all about geometry. I'm sort of a scientist. It's about being obtuse with an angle. It's sort of this weird up and over thing. You got to think up and over. You know, part of me is really skeptical on the fact that he's being serious because what if this is all just he's being sarcastic and playing it off like it's you know his real thoughts but he is like haha jokes on everyone who believes that that was real (laughs) it sounds satirical (laughs) I'm not certain that it is though this doesn't have to do with relationships but Kanye West has mentioned and it's just it's this whole thing and this is where he says very likely the most controversial thing he's ever said in an interview and i gotta say it and i'm sorry no no so at the end of a line talking about being a douchebag john mayer says that's why black people love me and when playboy pokes him a little bit about it he responds someone asked me the other day 
what does it feel like now to have a hood pass? And by the way, it's sort of a contradiction in terms, because if you really had a hood pass, you could call it a, you could call it an inward pass. Why are you pulling a punch and calling it a hood pass if you really have a hood pass? But I said, I can't really have a hood pass. I've never walked into a restaurant, asked for a table and been told we're full. Just so we're clear, he did say the N-word. I am not going to repeat it. Yep. Playboy says, it is true. A lot of rappers love you. You recorded with Common and Kanye West. You played live with Jay-Z. John says, what is being Black? It's making the most of your life, not taking a single moment for granted. Taking something that's seen a struggle and making it work for you, or you'll die inside. Not to say that my struggle is like the collective struggle of Black America, but maybe my struggle is similar to one black dudes. Playboy says, do black women throw themselves at you? No, no, I know where this is going. And perhaps John Mayer's worst line he's ever said publicly. John says, I don't think I open myself up to it. My dick is sort of like a white supremacist. I've got a Benetton heart and a fucking David Duke cock. I'm going to start dating separately from my dick. I I have nothing. I, I don't need to continue with the racist shit that he said, but I, I does it have to do with Taylor Swift? No, it does not. It's important. But it's to- important context because at the same time, there are rumors going around that Taylor is dating Corey Monteith. May he rest in peace. May he rest in peace. All the sources that I was reading through, because now we're in the gossip part of this relationship where so-and-so says this, source close to them says, and sources were saying that her quote unquote relationship with Corey Monteith was staged for her publicity because her being associated with John Mayer during this time, during these interviews was not a good thing. And I believe that she didn't date Corey Monteith, but I do believe that her publicist probably pushed her to having kind of more of a public friendship with him to kind of quell the rumors that she was seeing John Mayer because this does not look good for a 20-year-old up-and-coming music star. That's probably true. At the time, these interviews were not received well. Today, he would be buried. Buried. He would never make another record. And when Speak Now, Taylor's version comes out, that man better get a bunker. So in April 2010, A source reports to Star Magazine that, quote, friends say that Taylor Swift is still having a love affair with notorious ladies man, John Mayer. So this is kind of what supports my idea that they're having this on and off again thing. He probably is getting frustrated with her not putting out one into probably just the youthfulness of their relationship. I mean, she was a teenager when they met, so I don't know what he expected. And there's no confirmation on when exactly they call it quits, but it definitely happens before June, 2010. And this is definitely confirmed. They at least are done before June because in June, 2010, Taylor and John are both in attendance at the CMA awards. And she later writes the story of us on Speak Now about this night. The secret message for the story of us, which for those who don't know, in her lyric booklets for her CDs, she would capitalize random letters and different songs and you put them together and they spelled a little hint about 
what the meaning of the song was. And the secret message for the story of us was CMT Music Awards. Taylor says in an interview about the song, the story of us is about running into someone I had been in a relationship with at an awards show, and we were seated a few seats away from each other. I just wanted to say to him, is this killing you? Because it's killing me. But I didn't, because I couldn't, because we both had these silent shields up. John Mayer was sitting a few seats down from her at the CMT Music Awards. It's giving <laughs> Just Between Us to the Love Affair made you too. Just between us did the love affair made you too. Yep. <laughs> oh, she felt things so deeply. Oh, yeah. So the CMT Awards happened on June 9th of 2010. June 17th of 2010. So this is like a week and a half later. <laughs> Taylor Swift is awarded the Hall David Starlight Award, which is the award given to somebody who is outstanding in songwriting and it's important to note here that they say that this is at the apex of her career. Apex means like the height of her career. It wasn't the height no of her one career. No foresee what Taylor Swift would become. <laughs> yeah, no one could see that she was going to become this force. Even she thought that it was over for her, as evidenced in Long Live. Long Live anyway, so John Mayer had won the award in the past, so he was given the task of awarding it to Taylor. It was, you know months or weeks or whatever since they had split with one another but it was a nice really cordial moment actually I will give credit where it is due every single time and the way that he announced bringing her out was actually a really beautiful intro I think he says like a specific quote that stood out to me was you could put her in a time machine in any era and she would have a hit record don't Mm. confuse the world loving one thing as hype sometimes that's everybody agreeing that it's fabulous. Yes. He also says, like, he he makes this joke about how he pulls aside everyone in the music industry who's been close to Taylor saying, <laughs> who actually writes these songs? Who does it? Who does it? I need to know. I won't tell anyone. I won't tell anyone. And they're like, she does. And he says, okay, I can't crack you, but I'll get somebody. And then he sits down with her and they start messing around on the guitar. And he says, no shit. She writes these songs, which... <laughs> Is a really beautiful intro. I really liked that. But Speak Now is famously written entirely by Taylor with no extra help because of these accusations of how she doesn't write her own music. Speak Now had been entirely written by this point. The Story of Us was the last song that she wrote for Speak Now. So it Mm -hmm. was done. But these accusations were flying around from 2008 to 2010. And he kind of curbed that in his intro to bringing her on stage. And in his intro, he also said... I said to her one time, you and me are sort of like black swans. We're so rare. He's so full of himself. He's very full of himself. But it is, she handles it so well. I think honestly, even he handles it so well because we don't exactly know how the split went down. That might be private forever or at least till Speak Now TV comes out and she releases more info maybe. (laughs) But she goes up on stage and they like kiss each other on the cheek and hug. And he genuinely smiles and is like, congratulations off mic. And she Mm -hmm. looks very happy and takes the award and she is beaming. Good for her. Yeah. And I mean, also, you have to think if my, I mean, I would also be super giddy hearing the person I want to be with say those nice things about me. But at the same time, in Dear John, she says that she's the one that ran away and stopped answering the phone so I don't know I hope we find out more of what happened 
I agree. Well, four days after this, June 21st, 2010, Half of My Heart is released as a single. It was already out in battle studies, but he chose to release it as a single on June 21st, 2010. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) A lot happened in that June. October 25th, 2010. Which album comes out? Speak now. (laughs) (laughs) That TikTok audio. (laughs) Steakhouse. That's it. It's Steakhouse. (laughs) Okay, okay. With that album, (laughs) the track five is a banger of a song, and that song is called Dear John. Yeah, which she's so like sneaky and I know she thought about this when she made that the title so obviously it references John Mayer because (laughs) dear John however it's like a play on a dear John letter which is a letter that women would write to their military boyfriends breaking up with them Mm -hmm. (laughs) just a little bit of history because I like history Dear John letters originated in 1862 in a poem (laughs) about Alice Vavasor in the book, Can You Forgive Her? Basically, it was actually incredibly popular in World War II. Women would do this of writing a letter to break up with their boyfriends overseas and a Dear John letter. So just a little history because it's fun. And it kind of makes me think of like John Doe, like that's what you call unidentified men. So like Dear John is just a generic blanket statement. Mm-hmm. For men, sense. Mm-hmm. but it has a double meaning because it's actually John. <laughs> so in interviews, they'd be like, "Oh, dear John's about John." Obviously, she's like, mm, "No, dear John is like a saying." <laughs> Just Duh. like Harry Styles, like, no, style is not about Harry Styles. Duh. <laughs> what the heck? Why would you come up with that? There are several references throughout Dear John, like that are directly at John Mayer. Mm. My personal favorite we kind of talked about it earlier but at the beginning of dear john she has slurs of the guitar and mm-hmm. while it sounds like a just classic john mayer thing that he does on all of his songs it sounds most like gravity Which is one of his more well-known songs. That girl knows what she's doing, especially with the fact that like this is the song, or not the song, this is the album that she wrote by herself. She knew what she was doing with that. Dear John sounds so similar to a John Mayer song that whenever I play it around my boyfriend, he always has the urge to listen to John Mayer afterward. And I tell him all the time that that's so disrespectful. <laughs> but I, I, listen, I know that John Mayer is an asshole. But his music is so good. He loves John Mayer's music. And he's like, whenever I listen to Dear John or you play Dear John around me, it just makes me want to listen to Gravity. For some context in Dear John um, with John Mayer and his past relationships, Taylor sings, the girls that you've run dry have tired, lifeless eyes because you burned them out. To me, I think about his relationship with Jessica Simpson. Uh, Jessica pretty recently kind of spilled the tea in her tell-all memoir, open book. And she basically says things like she felt like John made her feel not very intelligent 
that every text message she sent to John, she had to get it checked by a third party for grammar and spelling because he would berate her if anything was like wrong because he felt like she wasn't as smart as him, which led her to alcohol and drug abuse because she was always paranoid and super hypercritical about herself. And it kind of parallels with the line in Taylor Swift's account with John. I lived in your chess game, but you changed the rules every day, wondering which version of you I might get on the phone tonight. So John has had a pretty lengthy history of being not great to his girlfriends. Speak Now is entirely written by her. It's hard to say which songs are about who. We do know like for a fact that the story of us, Dear John, are about John Mayer. It is theorized that ours could be about John Mayer, that Superman could be about John Mayer, but those are a lot less direct. So ours is, I mean, it's not direct, but it's not theirs to speculate if it's wrong. Everyone is telling her like, you shouldn't have been with him. And that's supported in Dear John. Everyone was telling her run as fast as you can. So people were like, we don't think you should be together. And the whole purpose of ours is don't you worry your pretty little mind. People throw rocks at things that shine and life makes love look hard. The stakes are high. The water's rough, but this love is ours. I love the riddles that you speak. Okay, fair and enough. Any yeah. snide remarks from my father about your tattoos will be ignored because my heart is yours. He literally has a sleeve, doesn't oh, he? Oh, yeah. yeah. And I don't think she was dating anyone else that had tattoos like that. But I don't know about Superman or anything. But... I saw Superman being theorized, but it's... And ours doesn't have a secret message. For some reason, the bonus tracks on Speak Now didn't have secret messages, which is a bummer. I couldn't find any information on it. If you have Speak Now Deluxe version and you're out there and you're like, no, there's totally a secret message, please let me know because I'd love to know. Yeah, same. So immediately after the release of Speak Now, surprisingly, John Mayer keeps his mouth shut. He doesn't say anything and she doesn't really comment on it much either other than the interviews where people are like, this is about John Mayer. And she's like, no. (laughs) So June 6, 2012, John Mayer is interviewed by Rolling Stone. Now he's been kind of underground for the past couple of years after his wildly controversial interviews. Again, today would get him like- Rightfully so, I mean. (laughs) Forever, but he, he went pretty quiet off the radar. Comes back on the scene a couple years after Speak Now is released and says that he was, quote, really humiliated by Dear John. John continues with, it made me feel terrible because I didn't deserve it. I'm pretty good at taking accountability now, and I never did anything to deserve that. It was a really lousy thing for her to do. He continues with, I never got an email. I never got a phone call. I was really caught off guard, and it really humiliated me at the time when I'd already been dressed down. I mean, how would you feel if at the lowest you've ever been, someone kicked you even lower? I will say, as a songwriter, that I think it's kind of cheap songwriting. I know she's the biggest thing in the world, and I'm not trying to sink anyone's ship, but I think it's abusing your talent to rub your hands together and go, wait till he gets a load of this. That's bullshit. He also says in the interview, (laughs) he says, quote, don't you think I was too young to be messed with? I don't want to go into that. I hate him. Around the same time, a source, whoever the source is, told Life and Style that he, quote, disagrees with the way Taylor goes about targeting exes in her music. I don't know. It's like he forgot that he was dating a young girl who did that. Who literally, 
Jonas and then Forever and Always comes out and she's like, yeah, Forever and Always, that's about Joe Jonas who broke up with me on a 27 second phone call. He forgot that he was dating that girl. (laughs) Come on. It's always wild to me when like people date, especially younger Taylor Swift before she let critics affect the way she went about her life. And it's wild to me that people would date her and then turn around and be like, I can't believe she like wrote these awful songs about me what did you think what you were signing you up for yeah, again it would like, be more offensive if she didn't write anything about you literally like i think calvin harris should be the most offended one of all her exes also he has this big ass ego he loved that that song was written about him and you can't tell me otherwise taylor interviews with glamour magazine and she is asked if dear john is about john mayer since he recently told rolling stone that it was about him she says how presumptuous. I never disclose who my songs are about. Glamour starts with, he said that he felt, and Taylor interrupts saying, no, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Glamour replies, you don't. And Taylor says, I know it wasn't good, so I don't want to know. I put a high priority on staying happy, and I know what I can't handle. If that isn't some relationship trauma, I don't know what is. Word. In October of 2012, Taylor is a guest on a show with Katie Couric, and Katie says, John Mayer claims your hit song, Dear John, was about him, and he felt humiliated. And Taylor replies, oh, come on, and dramatically rolls her eyes. Katie asks, do you ever hear from these dudes? Like, yo, Taylor, I really didn't appreciate this. Do they ever get in touch with you? And Taylor quips, well, some of them like to write really long emails. (laughs) So assuming that after Dear John came out, John wrote her a really scathing long email. Probably. February 22nd, 2013. Taylor says, if I'm going to write songs about my exes, they can write about me, which is important for what's to come. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So the reason that it's important that she made that quote was because the timing was excellent. As four months later, June 19th, 2013, John Mayer releases a song called Paper Doll, which is on his album Paradise Valley. Was it just too far to fall for a little paper doll? It kind of comes off as like a three-year late response to dear john almost it's kind of what people believe but then in 2019 which is six years after the song is released john mayer said on his instagram talk show current mood he has an instagram talk show that paper doll (laughs) was a song of his that he felt didn't get the love it deserved but also it wasn't who people thought it was about so i guess i don't really know but there are like direct lyrical tie-ins from paper doll and dear john that Taylor says in Dear John, you paint me a blue sky, then go back and turn it to rain. And in Paper Doll, it's, and if those angel wings don't fly, someone's going to paint you another sky. Also, in Dear John, it says, and I look back in regret how I ignored when they said, run as fast as you can. And then in his song, it says, you're like 22 girls in one, and none of them know what they're running from. Come on, 22. Yeah, I feel like, him saying that it's not who you think it's about it deserved more love I think I read a quote for him I don't have it in front of me I didn't write it down but it was something like paper doll 
got hyped up for the wrong reasons. It got hyped up because of the drama, not because of the lyrics. And he wanted the lyrics to be appreciated. So him kind of denouncing that it's about Taylor Swift, even when it is, I think was him desperately trying to get people to listen to it as a song and not as this is the response to Dear John. Also a writer at some magazine put together outfits that Taylor Swift wore during the time that they were dating and tied them directly to the outfits that he describes in the song. And I think that's hilarious. Honestly, I should like, I should like link it in the Instagram or something. That's so funny. It's very funny because he says outfits, like five different outfits in the song and somebody found those outfits, including like black chiffon. He mentions black chiffon and there's like a very famous photo of them dating and she's wearing this beautiful black chiffon dress. And honestly, okay. Maybe I just like can't relate because I'm not a famous singer songwriter that dates other famous singer songwriters and we write songs about each other. But I guess for me, if I really didn't want people to know who my song was about, I would come up with like really obscure. Why did I say like that? Obscure. (laughs) I would come up with really obscure things that would be like code phrases that weren't real, but I knew that when I used that like code phrase or code words, that it was about that certain person and I would know, but I wouldn't use real life things. Does that make sense? I I guess guess I, I really didn't want people to know. I guess I agree theoretically, but as someone who also has not done it, I guess I don't know. Taylor Swift does that though. She, we are under the understanding that the scarf is her virginity. She doesn't say, I left my virginity there at your sister's house. But in the <laughs> Toronto Film Festival, she heavily implied it was a metaphor that she didn't want to go into detail about. Which we speculated in our yeah. O2L analysis before she was at the Toronto Film Festival. Yeah. So. <laughs> and she said something that was like, so the scarf is obviously a metaphor. And it's red because it's the red album, but it's obviously a metaphor. And everyone's like, woo! she goes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um I'm not gonna go into it but um, she says yeah, it was a metaphor. stop it at the audience at one point like the audience starts hurrahing and she goes stop it and it felt like getting yelled at by your mother basically you stop it <laughs> yeah and so to me the way that she handled that yeah she didn't say it's a metaphor for my virginity but the way that she handled it as a metaphor and like explaining it, you could tell she was a little bit bashful. I would have genuinely believed that Taylor Swift lost her virginity to John Mayer had she not made the scarf virginity metaphor in all too well. But then you read all of his like <laughs> masturbatory comments that he makes in the Playboy interview. And I'm like, yeah, that, that man was just horny. He was horny. Yeah, he was sexually frustrated. <laughs> and I think at least this is just an assumption. I, I don't know John Mayer. I don't know Taylor Swift. I don't know what happened behind closed doors or in private. Like, I don't know, just for the record. But I can imagine that her not giving into the sexual pressure that I'm sure she got from John Mayer, because, you know, he's very, he was very open about his sexual exploits at the time. So, like, I'm sure he tried with her. I think her turning him down was part of why they kept breaking up. It's men do that. Men do that. Men will keep trying to like get what they want. Yep. If they really want it. So a lot of men men wear virginities as like badges of honor. Yeah. And I can see John Mayer as being that type of person. I can too. December 2013. Taylor is on the Ellen DeGeneres show. And this is one of the most cringy Taylor Swift Ellen 
interactions that I've experienced and it makes me feel icky. So Ellen wants to play a game where she shows Taylor a slideshow of a bunch of pictures of Taylor posing for photos with various male celebrities. And Taylor is supposed to ring a bell when a photo comes up of someone she has written a song about or dated. And Taylor is very adamant about not liking this game and not wanting to play like over and over again. I, I, I don't want to do this. And Ellen basically forces the game anyway. And when they get to a photo of John Mayer, Ellen says, you're supposed to ring it. And Taylor exclaims, I don't want to. They'll send angry emails to me and I don't want to get them. And she like almost starts crying. Again, it's just post-traumatic feelings after a bad experience with somebody is completely valid. You could tell that she was terrified of making any comment or any jab, even if it was just ringing a bell when it came to John Mayer. Yeah, there was definitely an email involved that just never got leaked. Yeah. Amazingly. Maybe that's one of her sleepless nights. (laughs) (laughs) Vigilante shit, which we found out about last night. Oh, vigilante shit. But by the time that this episode airs, we'll know like four other fucking song titles. Isn't that crazy to think about? (laughs) Yeah, that is crazy to think about. Whatever. So if you're listening to this and you're like, that's dated. Yeah, it takes some time to edit this episode. Yeah, like literally last night at midnight, she announced vigilante shit just dating her episode real quick. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then in February of 2015, John hosts the Late Late Show and calls out Taylor in his monologue saying, you can see me at the Grammys doing what I do best, being avoided by Taylor Swift. Yeah, Yeah. no shit, John, you're an asshole. Mm. Come on. I mean, I know that like the point of these like late night show monologues are to be like funny, but uh, and Taylor did something similar for her SNL. I, I get why it. are men telling on themselves all the time? For real. And then later in March 2015, there's a little bit of like whiplash here because John is interviewing with Ronan Farrow and praises Taylor for taking her music off of Spotify and using her big voice and influence for artists who don't have that kind of platform. And he like gushes praise for Taylor. And okay, well, you didn't like two months ago, but okay. (laughs) Maybe he got shit for that and was like, okay, you're right. That joke was in bad taste or whatever. Who knows? But then he like kind of continues, but whatever. So in December of 2016, John Mayer just does something silly and he tweets... (laughs) Tuesday, December 13th, maybe the lamest day of the year conceptually. December 13th is Taylor Swift's birthday. So people quickly detect the some Swifties are like, yo, wait, 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 hold up. Yeah, people are replying like, bitch, what the fuck? It's been six years. Let it go. And he responds in a tweet saying, nope, no, no. People, I am 39. I am deleting those tweets. Come right at me for doing so. Absolutely no shade. So I don't think he, he he's right. He's 39 and his relationship with Taylor Swift was yeah. pretty inconsequential. And I mean, I'm sure he forgot what Taylor's birthday was even, yeah, you know, and I totally understand his point of view. To most people, 13 is like an icky number and Tuesday is an icky day and December is an icky month. I get it. yeah like it wasn't shade at all I genuinely don't believe it was shade I think he just tweeted something silly and he you know what this tells me he reads the messages he reads the replies like he sees the things that are sent to him and I think we see that later too I don't know if you have that on your list oh I do Mm -hmm. oh I do (laughs) so 
a few months later, it's March 23rd, 2017, and John Mayer interviews with the New York Times. And in this interview, he finally addresses those awful interviews that came out with Playboy and Rolling Stone in 2010. He says, quote, the elephant in the room is that we're sort of talking about the double-headed dragon of the Rolling Stone interview and the Playboy interview. New York Times writes, so on the occasion of his status as a calmer 40-year-old, let's remember what the manic 32-year-old once said to Playboy. Imagining a conversation with his future self, Mayer said, I sometimes meet the 40-year-old me and say, what do I do? And the 40-year-old me says, don't do every scheduled interview. Go to the zoo instead. You're going to be fine, you knucklehead. Stop overthinking what people say. Well, I don't really know what this means, he does go on to say like that those interviews were not a good idea and a mistake and he wishes that he just hadn't done it he like elaborates basically he doesn't directly apologize at any point he wasn't even saying like that was dumb of me to say those things he said that was dumb of me to take that interview yeah could have been any interview it didn't matter which interview it was it's the things that he said in the interviews and even the interview questions like there were better ways to go about answering those questions. It wasn't the interview that caused him to say sexist and racist things. That was him. (laughs) Correct. He does say in the interview, I'm right on time for my career and I'm running late for my life. And that makes me think that he recognizes that he is not as mature as most people his age and probably because of his status of getting famous when he did. Like room for squares. He's a lot of famous people. I think that those of us who aren't famous sometimes fail to remember things like that, that they mature at a different rate because suddenly they're thrown into a pool of people that they're peers with. They're at all different stages of their lives. So like when Taylor Swift was 22, still writing fantasy romance songs, she still was kind of in the mindset of an 18, 19 year old, mm-hmm. which so is why I think she dated younger men at 22. Yeah. Yeah. In December of 2017, John likes several tweets that are defending Taylor after she's on the cover of Time magazine and she's kind of used as a symbol for people that speak out against sexual assault, you know, in response to her sexual assault lawsuit. Um, We'll go into more detail of that one later, I'm sure, but um, John does like several tweets that are supporting her and defending her against people who are criticizing her for that. October of 2018, John calls reputation a, quote, fine piece of work. All right. So November 17th, 2019, <laughs> during an Instagram live with Sean Mendez, who was on Lover, featured in a remix, the one oh. that we don't listen to because it's not as good as the original. Sorry, Sean Mendez. It's not XOXO. as good as the original. It just doesn't. <laughs> John Mayer cracks a joke. Honestly, okay, okay. I agree with him on this. I understand why, but we'll get into it. He cracks a joke saying (laughs) about the line, we can keep our Christmas lights up until January, which is Mm -hmm. in Lover. It's insane. Everyone keeps their Christmas lights up until January. And I go, can you really? Because normally I take my Christmas lights down on December 29th. We can keep the Christmas lights up till January. And then he actually sings that part. Oh. Because I watched it. He goes, we could keep the Christmas lights up till January. Then about <laughs> January 5th, we could take them down. Then we'll put them put in, in a box, box and name we'll that box Christmas, Christmas lights. lights. <laughs> yeah, we'll put them in the attic till next December. Well, that's a crazy love. <laughs> well, that's crazy love. I tell ya. Like, 
he's he's mocking her. Although, you know, when I first heard that line, I was like, Taylor, when were they taking down the Christmas lights in your home? Because January is a she normal did, time. She did come back and say, because everyone had that criticism. I think that the line should be February. We could keep the Christmas lights up till February. But she said that the point is like she's found her golden love and it's romanticizing the mundane everyday things, ah. which I think is valid. It just sucks that like no one has that context and it's, it's difficult to convey. It would have been a better song if it were a little bit less realistic because that's the point of songs. But yeah. I totally get what she's saying. I mean, living with my boyfriend, like there are mundane things that we do that just make me feel comforted and loved and they're mundane. They're not Fair special burning red 100 miles per hour you know and it's not about a crazy love like john says a no a couple of notes about this live number one camila cabello is on the live stream and yeah. she's a friend of taylor swift's she was not on during this part though i watched it that's true she and sean mendez are dating at this time whatever and also sean mendez and john mayer are incredibly close they are friends and sean draws a lot of inspiration from john the biggest comparison i've ever seen is in his song ruin i'm not trying to which is one of Shawn Mendes's best songs. And I will put I'm it up familiar him. with him. You should listen to it. <laughs> like mm. I said, my head is in the ground when it comes to celebrities. I know I'm going to ruin is a very pretty song. If you don't want to listen, if you don't want to support John Mayer, but you want to hear a John Mayer-esque song ruined by Shawn Mendes. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it last night. First of all, I had to like skim through 45 minutes because it was right at the end of course and um, whatever. But watching it versus reading what he said, reading what he said, I was like, oh, what an asshole. And then watching him say it was completely different. It really felt a lot more jokey and jesty because he also padded these jabs with, I really like the song. It's a great song. I love the song, but like that line. So it to me feels like it was more jokey than a serious dig, which reading it, you take it as a serious dig. Absolutely. In November of 2021, Red Taylor's version comes out. We all know that. And so Jake Gyllenhaal is getting a lot of shit at this time. We're covering the news as Jake Gyllenhaal in a few weeks, so stay tuned for that. But it did make people aware that John Mayer is going to get his comeuppance when Speak Now, Taylor's version comes out. People, if you're listening to this and you are ever inclined to send hate or kill yourself or fuck yourself or whatever to a celebrity, don't do that. Don't do it. Say it amongst your friend no. group. Take a drink every time Olivia yeah. says she hates John Mayer. Like and it's one thing that in our Swifty communities, we express these feelings, even if it is on the internet, whatever. If you're a Taylor Swift ex, don't be looking in the Swifty community. Simply don't. It's a completely different thing to be messaging these real people, things that we say in the Swifty community. Don't do that. Taylor doesn't want that. John Mayer, this is part of the evidence that I have that he's kind of grown up a little bit. I mean, he responded very positively to Lover, like you said, as a song overall. Mm -hmm. He's defended her during the sexual assault stuff. Well, a Taylor Swift fan DM'd John right after the release of Red Taylor's version and said, fuck yourself, you ugly bitch. I hope you choke on something with a heart. And mm. then a couple hours later or a few hours later says, answer me, you bitch. <laughs> so John Mayer says, hi, Alondra. It's John. 
I've been getting so many messages like these the past couple of days. I decided to choose your message at random to reply to. You can feel free to screenshot, share in any way you like if you want. I'm not upset. I just tend to have a curious mind and feel compelled to ask, do you really hope that I die? Can you imagine getting that message? <laughs> oh my God. I would, I would melt into a pot. So she apologizes. She says, I'm sorry. And he says, it's okay. I wanted to understand. So it's a fun thing people are doing without taking into account that I might see it and be affected by it. She says, yeah, I guess nobody really thought you would see it or answer since you're famous and don't interact with random people. Again, very sorry. And he responds, there was some healing here today. It's 100% okay. Go forth and live happy and healthy. He also said in a voice message, so it's a fun thing people are doing without taking into account that I might see it and be affected by it. It's 100% okay. I don't think like he enjoyed receiving those messages, but I also think that the way that he handled it was actually very a lot better than I probably would have I'm being honest that's the last thing that I see about their interactions it's been so long it's been 13 years they both have far moved on and I feel like they have this mutual respect for one another I think it's a very neutral ending for them we'll see there's still speak now Taylor's version to come so we'll we'll see how neutral this ending stays. Yeah, I'm sure we will update you when uh, Speak Now Taylor's version comes out because we got some vault tracks and he was her traumatic breakup for the Speak Now era. Like, yeah, there was Taylor Lautner, but that wasn't traumatic. And Taylor's the one that ended it. But John Merritt was her traumatic one. I like how you said Taylor's the one that ended it. And there are two Taylors in that relationship. Oh, that's true. T-Swizzle, that one. <laughs> My like general overview of how I feel about their relationship was that there was this really big power imbalance and John Mayer didn't take it as anything seriously. It was, this is a hot young woman and he was kind of grooming her and he wasn't grown up. He was immature. She fell hard for him. And quite frankly, knowing Taylor at the time, she probably got super ahead of herself, envisioned this whole life together and he started flaking and she took that really hard yeah and then their power imbalance too really shows when she kind of tries to take the reins on the situation and explain her narrative of the situation and he didn't appreciate it mm-hmm. yep. which what did he expect I don't know. well honestly that's until speak now taylor's version comes out that's pretty much the muses john Mayer. yes it was Still gross and messy <laughs> Olivia still hates him. I'm probably going to send you some songs that you should listen to though, Olivia, because I said this off off mic, I'll say it on the hot mic now. Uh, There are a lot of writing styles that John Mayer has used and the the peak of his artistry is probably 2006 with his album Continuum, but he has some beautiful metaphors that feel very Taylor Swiftian. He's an asshole, but he's a talented asshole, like Kanye West. So when you say Nick Jonas is a diva, he's not nearly as bad as any of these other boys out here in the world. That's true. That's true. Yeah. If you need context for that, go listen to the muses, Joe Jonas. <laughs> shameless plug. <laughs> Speaking of shameless plugs, follow us on Instagram at Taylor Learning Podcast. Follow us on TikTok conveniently. Also, hey. Taylor Learning Podcast. <laughs> Olivia, what did you Taylor learn this week? I'll start. I didn't know that they met at the Met Gala in 2008. Oh, I didn't know that he was a special guest on the Fearless Tour before they ever, like, collaborated officially. What are we covering next week? It's assuming a single doesn't come out. I'm still holding out for a single. Right now, I think one's going to come out October 14th. There's an entire theory about it. I'll make a TikTok. <sighs> but 
what are we covering next week if a single doesn't so if taylor doesn't ruin our lives before next week (laughs) we are actually conveniently going to be talking about taylor swift and her easter eggs a whole discussion about some of our favorites in the past some of the ones that weren't real and why swifties are so crazy about everything that she posts because we expect everything to be a cryptic double meaning oh yeah yeah we're crazy she's crazy too well uh i'm gonna go get my easter egg affairs in order so that i can be ready for next week for this week my name is danny and i'm olivia see you next week